Welcome to another episode of The Inquisitive Analyst. I'm your host, Marcus Udikang. It's a show where we chat with business analysts and project managers about their challenges and triumphs, their ideas, and their contribution to their field. It's inspiring, it's upbeat, it's exciting, but most of all, it's inquisitive. My guest today is well-diversified and with a background in training, financial data modeling, user experience design, software product development, and operations, and has led many career development workshops. She works as a business analyst, a product owner, an executive coach, and also in UX design. Her BA skills are multifaceted, and she is multilingual. So please help me welcome to today's show, Araceli Iguez. Welcome, Araceli. Hi. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us all the way from the UK today. So let's start off with uh, a couple of questions. First, what fascinates me about you is that you're multilingual. You speak six languages. What are those languages that you speak? Um, I was born in Barcelona. Um, in Spain, there's more than, uh, than Spanish. So Spanish is Castilian. And then there are other Spanish languages. So other languages in Spain. Catalan is one of them. There's Basque. There's Bable in Asturias, there's Galician, and, and yeah, and a few others. But anyway, these are the bigger, the bigger second languages. So I was I grew up in a bilingual place, and then in high school I learned French. Well, I learned English. I started I think when I was about nine or so. Um, in high school French. When I was at university, I decided I also wanted to learn German. When I started working in in London, I wanted to learn Japanese. Um, I've done other courses, Greek, Swedish, um, Portuguese, Italian. I'm, I'm quite curious about languages. Well, that's absolutely fascinating. So I'm sure that speaking many languages gives you this very broad, you know, it gives you very broad opportunities as a business analyst. So how long, first of all, how long did it take you to learn that many languages? Um, I find learning a language is, is not uh, the same concept. So not everyone thinks about what learning is in the same way. Um, I would define learning as, a, as the ability. So I consider I have learned enough of a language when I can speak in a spontaneous way. Um, I think it takes a couple of years to reach that point. Obviously, it depends on the amount of hours that you can dedicate and the effort that you put and how well a method is and, and so on. Um, but I never consider that I have fully learned a language. I, I think learning a language is a lifelong um, endeavor. Let's call it this way. I agree. I think, I think you're 100% correct on that. So how has speaking these many languages helped you as a business analyst? I find... Um, the main benefit of speaking several languages is the, the possibility and the ability to speak the language of somebody else, to allow people to speak in their own language. When you speak in your language, you express yourself in a very specific way. And um, when it comes to being an analyst, when I was responsible for uh, um, certain projects where I had um, the possibility of interviewing and even shadowing or like seeing people use systems by people dialing into a call and they were sharing the screens. They were talking me through their day, their, their problems, their issues, the questions, what they really loved about our systems and so on. Um, it, was, it was that much better because they could say everything they wanted in their language. So I think that's the biggest factor. 
and it it helps um i think it it makes people it allows people to relax and and to share information in a different way yeah no, i think that's fascinating i commend you i've always been enamored by people who have this aptitude for for many languages it's definitely a skill that i don't have um, but I think it's it's definitely a skill that would serve a business analyst extremely well. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so as a business analyst, um, you do a lot of diagramming, prototyping, and dealing with as-is and to-be situations. As, as a BA, how do you start prototyping or creating an as-is diagram? Um, my, my initial... Um objective uh, when I'm working, what I focus on is to understand the whole situation. I like to understand uh, from a UX experience, the personas involved in the piece of work in the wider context. So a context diagram is always my starting point. And I don't worry so much about whether it's an as is or to be. I'm, I worry about people. I worry about the persona, so the characteristics of different people, I, I group them. I look both at internal personas, um, if it's a product, who owns the product, who owns the content of the product, who installs it, who maintains it, and so on. And if uh, it's a service, then like, likewise, who's involved in doing what? I, I care about then the users, but also the decision makers, um, people who pay, the, for the product if, if they are different from uh, people who, who use it. So I try to think about everyone. I try to think about the use cases and relationships, dependencies, whether something happens before or after, or, or uh, it's a necessity or, or not independent. And afterwards, I think whether something is in scope for the project or not. Uh, but I still want it in the diagram to understand that it needs to happen. That's my absolute first step when I work. Okay, uh, cool. Yeah, that sounds that sounds quite um, quite thorough. Okay, so the product owner and the business analyst really have lots of overlapping skills. So coming from the BA world, what are some of the gaps that you had to fill in to transition from a BA to a product owner role? Um, from in my experience. The, the main gap was understanding the product owner role, the responsibilities, the relationship with other people in the other roles in the Scrum. And once you're also in as part of a Scrum, if you attend Scrum of Scrum ceremonies, and then you have other, um, yeah, yeah, other roles, uh, like the difference between solution and enterprise architects and that people that jump around different Scrums and what happens at program level, um, that was more than the skill of how to do the analysis or how to document, which obviously then in one project you work this way and you emphasize perhaps NFRs or you emphasize acceptance criteria or, or you, you pay attention to different um, aspects of, of your role. It was about taking, taking stock of my responsibility and the importance of certain ceremonies to be completed in a particular way to make sure we had the right information, we had discussed the right points, knowledge had been shared, questions had been asked. Um, I think that's that's where my focus was when I transitioned. Okay, all right, fascinating. So you worked with a company called 
Thomson Reuters. Reuters is a very famous uh, newspaper company. And you worked with them for, for many years. How did you transition into the business analyst role and later into a senior business analyst role? Um, the, the truth is that uh, because I was in the company for a long time, uh, when, when I applied for a business analyst role, I, the, 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 the department, so the hiring manager, valued my previous role. They considered that I had the skills, even though I didn't have the qualifications to be a business analyst. And they agreed to pay for a, a BCS, British Computer Society um, diploma, which I was very happy to, to go through and, and learn formal, formal skills. But as a modeling consultant, I had to analyze, I had to diagram, and I had to work through data and, and, and define workflows for users to, to use financial models and afterwards do a bit of programming and a, a bit of configuration to make those things happen. So it was not a complete jump in the empty space. It was a bit of a transition. There were, there were transferable skills. And the second question, um, transitioning from analyst to senior, I would say it was more a matter of awareness. So having conversations to, to have a clear idea of what's the difference between a business analyst and a senior business analyst. The moment I was helping new people, um, making sure like new members of the team, making sure we shared certain skills, there were certain processes that we were following the same way, we were documenting in a standard way. I was perhaps at times being a bit of a role model for other people, um, proactively sharing my experience, my knowledge. It, there wasn't a very important clear cut line. Okay, great. So I, I like that that idea that you mentioned about being a role model because I think it, this is so important for people who want to transition to another role. Like shadowing is is a good example. Some some people, some companies allow you a certain amount of time each day to uh, shadow someone else, right? Or, or or be the shadow of someone else, I guess. So this way, you 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 tend to learn on the job as opposed to having to do it on your on your own spare time. So I think that's that's another way, but having the company want you to go to BCS to get a diploma, I think that's also good too, because it, the company obviously values you enough. They're investing enough money in you uh, to be able to improve your, your skills, to upgrade your skills. And so I think that's that's another great way that uh, that you can grow within a company is to have, you know, uh, buy-in from your, your, own, your own company willing it's, to support your growth. It's funny that you say that because when I was in that first department when I worked as a business analyst they paid both for this and for a two-week um, how do you say residential course to be, to be certified to be a UX designer so I think the manager at the time had a very strong opinion about the importance of having fundamental knowledge and, and know-how to be able to execute in your job rather than wishy-washy knowledge that you pick by yourself. They right. wanted a strong methodology. And that's something that throughout my experience in Reuters, Thomson Reuters, and afterwards in Refinitiv until I left, um, I was very happy to, 
to accommodate or to to follow. It's it was a they they wanted methodology. They don't they don't wanted to invent the wheel. Right, right. No, that's that's good. That's quite good. So you've worked in a combined role as a BA and a user experience designer. So what does the user experience designer role involve? And is it very different from a business analyst role? Um, so when I was in this combined role, I was doing user research. I was doing prototyping. I was uh, using also some of our um, early early work after discussions with um, with developer developers about solutions to go back to users and and test some things with them um, and I was less responsible for the graphic design or for any other tests that happen very thoroughly on the lab so we had in Thomson Reuters we had a user lab um, with one of those mirrors that you can observe a user and, and be behind the scenes and then a conductor um, can check their eyes and really question the user and we can test something quite thoroughly. Um, and this, there was this team, there was a, a UX team that was dedicated to, to do these sort of projects for different initiatives ac across the firm. So I was never that person. I, I, my, my job was before that. Um, and afterwards, in the latest uh, program where I was, there was a, one of the scrums was UX, and they had one designer in each scrum team. And they were responsible for the overall look and feel of the company. They were responsible for the, um, the detailed, you know, um, they, they, there was a library of, say, buttons and, and colors. And so, my, my job typically concentrated on workflows. Well, the previous analysis, the personas, the, 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 the use cases, the, the, the acceptance criteria and so on, and, and the prototypes, but at low level. I would never argue like the color of a button or the font that we are using right. on, a, on a title and this sort of thing. Okay, all right, oh, cool. So um, I noticed that you have some experience with what they call metaphor mastery and clean language. And I've heard a bit about this in the past, and this is sort of an area that intrigues me. Maybe you can explain to our audience, what is metaphor mastery and clean language and, and how can business analysts use these skills to their advantage? Um, so clean language uh, is a psychology school of thought. It was created by David Grove. I, studied, I, I learned about it and then I did uh, my first course in 2014. I studied with somebody called Judy Reese. I strongly recommend her, so that's why I want to drop her name. Um, clean language is, a, is an inquiry tool. That's how it is defined. And it is, it is a way, so it's a set of questions and it's a way of asking these questions so that the person asking the questions is, is showing that, um, so I'm going to talk about myself. If I, if I use clean language, I have to listen to the other person in a very specific way so I can pick on words that are refer, referring to metaphors and I can ask these questions about those metaphors. 
So the thinking behind this methodology or this tool um, is that what they claim is that the metaphor is the language of the unconscious mind. And the, the, when you ask these questions, you, spoke, you speak directly to the unconscious mind of the other person. So you don't disturb them with either um, the real world for that person or your, your perception of the real world. How it's useful for business analysis? Well, actually it's useful for business analysis. It's useful for collaboration. It's useful for interviewing. Um, it's useful even for therapy. So the point is you can often connect with a person and well, build rapport, but also um, go to a, into a deeper understanding with the person because you, you talk about the root if we talk in terms of business analysis and we think root analysis. So we go to the root of the concepts. Root of concepts, that's good. That's a, fascinating, great, uh, that's awesome. So you've, you've also worked in financial data modeling and this is an area that's not a lot of business analysts go to, go into rather, but you know, financial modeling really is, is very prevalent in today's world. So how, how can being a financial data modeler really enhance your business analyst skills? I would say, um, so in this particular case, it was, a, it, was I, it, it didn't happen for me that I thought I'm going to be a better business analyst, therefore let me study data modeling, right? It happens the other way around, even though since I'm a business analyst, I've learned about data governance and other aspects of data modeling that makes me realize how interesting it is and how useful it is to have done the other discipline. So I, I learned, for example, about systems thinking after I was a systems analyst, sorry, a business analyst, because I thought, ooh, I think it's, I'm going to be a better business analyst. But with data modeling, it was not like that. I had been a, a data model, modeling consultant. But how do I think it enhances the, your abilities? Um, there are so many strands to our work. So the experience of the user is one. Um, the, the, the interface, so the actual service, the interface itself is another, but the data behind and the architecture of the data is another. So for me, there are three, three strands of work that it's a bit like a triangle. The three things need to happen at the same time. And, it, and the better aware you are of every aspect of, of these three, three perspectives that combine into your service, the better. And data is data needs to be created, needs to be uh, used, and need to be maintained. So if you understand cycles of data, roles of who is involved in making this data happen, format of data, um, relationships between data, dependencies, any sequence. Um, well, I just think it's a bit like with languages I was telling you before. The more you know, the better position you're in. Nothing, I guess sometimes the problem is you also need to stop yourself from being involved in too many things. So you have a remit of responsibility and that's what you do. But if you have some knowledge about something else, sometimes you can ask very good questions. You're in a multidisciplinary team, somebody else is doing a piece of work and you say, 
how are you making this decision? Um, why are we doing this thing this way and not that way? Or, or what was your criteria to make that step or, or to pick this technology or to use this, um, I don't know, this way of transferring a file and the way we are storing data, whatever it is, it's just, I guess the more people, the more people uh, are involved and think about it between all of us, the better the solution. So that's, that would be my answer. I hope it wow. was not too long. <laughs> no, no, that's fascinating. Yeah, I think you've, you've shown us today a bit of your multifaceted background, your skill, multifaceted skills, obviously, and it's certainly a display of how BAs can embrace this multitude of skills to enhance their marketability and success in the VA world. So I think that's fascinating. So if if anyone in the audience wants to get in touch with you, how can they do so? Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Araceli Gueras, and I don't think there are many Araceli Gueras, so <laughs> I'm there. Um, and yeah, I, I, I welcome new connections. I want people, I want to connect with people who are there to add value, to be honest. Um, who share an interest, who share knowledge, who have advice. So I welcome that sort of people. That's great. That's fantastic. Well, thank you, Araceli, for joining us today. It's been it's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you. Thank you for having me and um, all the rest with all this series of interviews. I hope you reach a very good audience and people are inspired by you. Oh, thank you very thank much. You. I appreciate it. Okay, have a great day. Bye. Bye.